Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Wednesday, November 20th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, and good evening, everyone, and thanks for joining us tonight, and I know we are at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, so thanks for adjusting your schedules to come in and and join us for a great show. We have a lot to discuss tonight, so we won't waste too much of your time, so make sure you join in and call in 646-716-5564 if there's anything you'd like to discuss. Try to be close to the topic if you can, and and tonight's agenda, we're going to go through the NFL top five games, also touch on Monday night's game that just happened and and get everyone's opinion. We're going to go through the top ten college games, and I know Trey probably had a little trouble finding the top ten games this weekend, but like we've talked about before, weekends like this can be very dangerous in November when it comes to the BCS, so we have a couple of big games this weekend that are very intriguing. Um... We're also going to touch on the Winston debacle going on. I mean, new information today about Jameis Winston. Um, we're going to discuss that. But first, Trey, the question is, how are you doing and, and how do you feel about this upcoming weekend? Hey, buddy, how's it going? Uh, you know, this weekend, uh, interesting weekend. You know, this is one of those weekends, you know, in November that you never know what can happen. Uh Interesting sports day already uh, for baseball, at least. Uh, I don't know if we'll talk about that as well, Tarvin. But yeah, you know, this weekend for for college football, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I, there's some uh, intriguing matchups with that you know have bowl implications. I mean, and there could be some national title implications as well, uh, especially when you talk about you know Baylor and uh, what you know their matchup this weekend. Hey, I don't want you to. I don't want Florida State fans out there to overlook Idaho. Because this team can strike and strike fast, Trey. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of McGuire in this game, the, the now third-string backup quarterback, um, you know, with the stuff that's going on with Winston and with, you know, just uh, you know, even if there's nothing to do about, you know, if it's much to do about nothing with Winston, you're still not going to see him very much. I think McCarron and Winston will play a whole lot this weekend just for injury concerns, if nothing else. But for Florida State, I think you'll see a lot of McGuire for other reasons as well. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be bad? Just think if you're watching the, the Bama game this weekend against Chattanooga and A.J. goes down for the season. So, man, this is, these are scary games, not because you could lose them. It's because who you could lose in these games. Because, Trey, as an athlete, if you're not given 100%, you're not on edge every play, you can get hurt. And, and I don't know, I've seen a lot of injuries take place against teams like this. But we'll talk about all these big matchups. So for all you fans out there on the edge of your seat thinking that Trey and I might pick Idaho or, or Chattanooga, probably not going to happen tonight, will it, Trey? No, no. Those games aren't on our list to even talk about. They shouldn't. They should be nothing to talk about. So, not not really a story there. 
Well, I know I'm going to get one pick right. Jason Minson has a pick'em challenge, and he has his straight-up winners, Alabama versus Chattanooga. So I think I may get one pick right this week. So, well, let's go to Monday night. Let's not waste any time, Trey. Monday night football was it was it was a great game. The New England Patriots took their what was it what was a six and two record, I believe, and they went on the road to Carolina six and three. And the the Carolina Panthers have been the hottest team in in the NFL. I just want your opinion, Trey, on the that play at the end of the game, the controversial flag that came out, or the flag wasn't controversial. What was controversial? is they picked up the flag and waved off any kind of penalty. So I just want your thoughts on this, and, and how did it impact the game? Do you think the Patriots would have scored if they had given the penalty? Well, I'll, I'll start off with this. Is I think that if there was no pass interference or no contact, if you will, from Luke Keithley, I think the pass is broken up. You know, I'll start off with there. I think that the defensive back still breaks up the pass. So I don't think that the – contact, you know, prohibited a touchdown. I'll start off with there. Um, I, I looked at, when I saw the play, uh, I thought, you know, I think Gronkowski, my first thought was, I thought Gronkowski could have at least got towards the ball had he not have any. I mean, the guy's huge. I've seen him make that play before in the end zone where he comes back almost entirely. And the guy's got a huge wingspan. He's 6'7". Um, and then I saw the sports science piece on it, and that really convinced me uh, that at least the flag was legitimate because I, mean, I don't know if you saw the sports science Tarvin uh, and where they actually broke it down by, with physics and everything and talked about how Gronkowski, if without without contact, could have made a play on the ball. It still seems very unlikely, uh, even when you break it down scientifically, that he would have made a catch, but he would have been in the vicinity. I think the defensive back still either intercepts it or, or, or knocks it down. I mean, he had the better angle. Uh, but I just, you know, you hate to see a game lose or, or end that way. Uh, like I said, I don't think the Patriots would have scored even if Gronkowski was running by himself without Keekly there. I think it's still broken up. Uh, but you just hate to see it end that way with, with such clutter uh, and, and controversy because the Panthers played too well in that game, I think, to have a win be sort of locked into a quagmire of, you know, disruption when you talk about, you know, NFL referees being involved again. Well, let's talk about these Carolina Panthers. If you if you look at their record, Trey, a surprising seven and three, and if you look at their remaining, what is it, six games? Out of these six games, they play the Saints twice, one in New Orleans and one back home in Carolina. Tell us how you see the remaining six games going. They play the Dolphins on the road this week, then they host Tampa Bay, then they're on the road at the Saints. They come back home for the Jets and the Saints, and they end at Atlanta. So looking at that, tell me some games that could be, you know, roadblocks for them, really. Well, I mean, I don't want to say this week. We'll talk about this week's game. But there are certainly games in their schedule that get stumble on. Uh, but this team is looking focused like they've never been, uh, you know, since Cam Newton's been there. You're seeing, I mean, Cam Newton is starting to progress this year, Tarvin. I know that, you know, you're a big fan of him. But, you know, I watched uh, a much better Cam Newton than I've seen in games past. I mean, he's, he, you know, took him down his scores. He was composed in the fourth quarter. You know, there was some adversity, and he seemed to handle it well versus, you know, some of the pounding we've seen on the sidelines in the past where he seemed to break down. Uh, I, I saw in something in Cam Newton that I haven't seen before, Tarvin, and I really was liking uh, this Cam Newton that I've seen where he seems composed, he can handle adversity, and he really focused himself in the fourth quarter, which is, kind of changes, you know, the Panthers. Because in the fourth quarter in years past, in a couple of years past, Tarvin, 
I mean, Cam Newton kind of buffled under the pressure, and, you know, he'd whine, and he kind of just didn't focus himself. And if Cam Newton plays the way he can in the fourth quarter, I mean, Tarvin, this team's going to be really good because they have a decent running attack. The defense is just amazing. So, I mean, look out, Tarvin. I think this is a different team. Yeah, when I look at the, the reason I give this team a shot, it's not because, I mean, Cam Newton's a reason he's playing better, but it's the defense of this team. The way they just, I mean, they, they shut Tom Brady down under 300 yards, and, you know, that's all they have. They they shut down San Francisco on the road, and they're beating teams. They're holding teams to, to not many points. I mean, when you look at it, Arizona scored 22 on them. The Bills put up 24, and that was early in the season. But ever since then, they shut out or they give up 10 points to the Vikings, 15 to the Rams, 13 to the Bucks, 10 to the Falcons. If you could keep doing that, holding, you know, to about two touchdowns, you're going to win a lot of football games. And this schedule, they, I give them a chance to beat the New Orleans Saints because of the defense. And it's not, I think Cam Newton's a dynamic player and everything. But if you look at the turnaround of this Carolina team, you have to look at the defensive side of the ball. I mean, how big was Luke Keighley, I mean, Trey, to this defense? And, and, and I guess in the upcoming drafts, who else are they going to get? Because if I'm them, I'm focusing on big weapons for Cam Newton, and I'm focusing on that defense to make it stronger. Well, I mean, I think you're right, Tarvin. And this is Keekly, you know, we knew he was good his rookie season. Uh, he came in uh, basically uh, and you know, one defensive rookie of the year. I mean, the guy was incredible his first year. So, I mean, there, he's only getting better. He's in his, I think he's what his third year, Tarvin. I think he came in with Cam Newton maybe in that draft of the year before. Uh, but the defense is they, they made smart decisions in the draft. I mean, obviously, if they're good this year, Tarvin, they're not going to have too high of a pick. Uh, but, you know, you got to like what they're doing. I think they still need to use a receiver. But um, even Brendan LaFell is kind of maturing. Well, I'm interested to see how they do. Are you predicting them to make the playoffs now after after looking at the rest of their schedule and what they've done so far? Are they a team that's going to to win their division or maybe sneak into a wild card trick? Yeah, I think they're going to make the playoffs now. I mean, obviously, they would take a pretty good backslide, for, I think, for them not to get in, in the NFC. The NFC is kind of almost falling apart right into place if you're Carolina. I mean, Green Bay with, with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. You know, Chicago's been up and down. You have Detroit. I mean, it looks like the Central now could be a one playoff team, um, or the North, excuse me, uh, is a one playoff team uh, division now. And we kind of all predicted that to be at least two. We thought, you know, whether it was Lions, Bears, Bears, you know, Bears, Packers, you know, Lions, Packers, whatever it was. I think most people predicted that to have two teams in the postseason. And now that doesn't look so uh, so realistic with, you know, all those teams playing sort of 500 ball or below. So, you got to look at the Carolina Panthers and think they have a fantastic, you know, chance right now uh, to make the playoffs. And, you know, Tarver, I'm looking at, you know, like you said, at their, net, their schedule, and there's a lot of winnable games there, obviously, if they stay focused. And they are still the hottest team uh, in football right now. I mean, they have the longest winning streak at, at six. And, um, you know, they haven't looked back for a long time. Now, New Orleans is still above them in that division, but they're going to have a shot. Yeah, and any time, I mean, you look ahead and you start looking at that, but Carolina hasn't established themselves as a team you can really look ahead and look into the future. So I think this team's a team that needs to take it week by week, and, and Cam Newton keeps getting better, and they just keep getting better as a team. And this could be a team we talk about, I think, so in the playoffs. The trade, Major League Baseball is trying to make some noise today, you know, with all the football going on, all the stories. Tell us about um, – the Detroit Tigers trading who they trade Prince Fielder away for Ian Kinsler from Texas. Tell us about that and who does this benefit more? Yeah, I mean this broke right as we were coming on the air. I mean the Rangers traded away 
uh, basically, I mean, you, you, this is a huge blockbuster. I mean, Prince Fielder, facing for the Tigers, got traded to the Texas Rangers for Ian Kinsler. Obviously, this is pending physicals. Uh, but there could be another player involved in this trade right now. We're not sure. But, I mean, Fielder has, what, a $214 million contract left, and this is, um, you know, I just – this is surprising to me. I wonder what um, what the Tigers are doing here. I mean, whether it's um, – you know, the, the Rangers, it kind of makes sense. I mean, they have a young prospect named uh, Profar, or Profar uh, who has been phenomenal last this past year, uh, and they actually wanted to have him have a starting position and have one in the infield. So, I mean, this frees up that spot for Texas. Obviously, it gives them a much better first baseman, but I kind of wonder for the Tigers' sake, Tarvin, uh, is, you know, where do they go at first base from here? I mean, I'm not sure Victor Martinez or some other options they may have or anywhere near as good as Fielder. Uh, I know they've been wanting to free up money for Matt to sign Max Scherzer, uh, or even tr- maybe even trade him. So maybe there's some Scherzer um, long-term deal coming. Maybe don't have to trade him now. So you know, good baseball news coming out uh, on this. To see Fielder go uh, has to be an interesting, uh, I guess you know, your emotionality for the Tigers fan seeing him go. With that, uh, but uh, good, I think the Rangers won this deal right now, Tarvin. Yeah, that's a that's a big bat for that lineup. And to me, Kensler's been on the decline. He he's not what he used to be. I just I don't I don't understand the trade really. But I want to get more details on it and do a little more research since this just broke when we was coming in on air. I want to look at it. But what do you think about Robinson Cano for the Yankees? You know, the Yankees they don't ESPN they want Cano, but not for three hundred million. Where is Cano going to end up? Do you think the Yankees are going to fall into this trap and overpay for this guy because? I think it would be a mistake if the Yankees held on to him, Trey. Uh, let me ask you this. I mean, he's asking for a lot of years. And, and when's the last baseball contract that went eight to ten years, which is kind of what Robbie Cano is asking for, um, when's the last time one of those worked out? I mean, I mean, really. I don't you know, remember. There, has, there hasn't been. There's been none of them that have really worked out. I mean, you're talking about long-term deals. There's always been a trade. There's always been a decline. I mean, Albert Pujols was one of the more recent ones. Josh Hamilton None of these players who you're bumping 30 years old um, have really worked out. I, I think, you know, Jonathan said in the chat room that he thinks Cano will wind up with a five-year, $150 million deal. That's more realistic, I think, you know, when you're talking about Robbie Cano. I think the only team that's going to overpay for him is going to be the Yankees. I don't think anybody's going to come close to what the Yankees are going to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it could be a mistake. I mean, Robbie Cano is still a very, very good ball player. Um, but, you know, if you're talking about over a four- to five-year deal, I don't think that's a good deal for the for any club to sign him. Well, you look at Albert Pujols, Trey, and, and I think he's really killed a lot of these deals going forward in the future because you just put that much investment in someone for 10 years. You never know what's going to happen. And I think it takes the, the motivation from the player. I mean, I know you agree with that. You have to because the hunger is gone. You're paid for 10 years regardless. And how old is Cano right now, Trey? Is he like 27? <laughs> I, I think he's older than that. I think he's maybe 29. Yeah. Somebody in the chat room, if you can fire that off for us, that would be great. I, I don't have that in front of me. I, I, think, I think you are correct on that. But just think, I mean, you're going to pay someone until they're almost 40 to perform. I mean, the Yankees have a lot more issues right now. They need to talk down like Jonathan said in the chat room. Maybe a five-year would be more realistic. I mean, 10 years, nobody's going to be able to, to pay him the money he wants for that time. And just like Jonathan said, Pujols and A-Rod killed long contracts. And speaking of A-Rod, Trey, 
he was in his hearing today and stormed out, and he blasted Bud Selig. You know, tell us what you know about this. And A-Rod's a joke. It's about time for him just to disappear somewhere. Yeah, so what happened was, is, uh, you know, Bud Selig refused to, I guess, testify in his hearing to say why he uh, gave this 200-and-something you know, game uh, suspension to A-Rod, you know, versus the normal suspension, and I guess that's what they wanted. Uh, A-Rod got furious. I guess, or frustrated, or whatever word he used, that both Rage. the players union and the baseball, uh, you know, commissioner's office and Major League Baseball would refuse to, I guess, subpoena him or whatever. I'm, I'm not sure if they have the power to do that, but refused to force him to come down. I guess he thought uh, there's collusion or whatever it is. So he stormed out, basically calling the entire um, process a joke, and but he wasn't going to be back anymore. So it kind of draws the question is, is he basically conceding the 200-game suspension at this point? Because if he's not going to participate, he's certainly going to get it. So, and Tarvin, uh, Jonathan answered our question in the chat room. Cano is 31 years old. Yeah, so you want to pay him until he's 41? I don't think so. Yeah, so, you know, here's A-Rod, you know, Tarvin, I mean, this is, you know, just more drama from him. I just I'm sick of hearing about, I mean, he can't even go to a hearing uh, and participate. Yeah, it was multiple days. It's, I think they're in day three of the hearing. But he, I mean, this is what he knew he was getting into, and he was involved with biogenesis to begin with. Uh, he was part of the process. This process was set up in the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, the only way, um, and Paul says that this goes to federal court, A-Rod is going to win-win. Well, Paul, not exactly, because um, honestly, when you have a CBA, a collective bargaining agreement between like a union and um, you know the Major League Baseball. There's actually a pretty high standard to get past um, get past the decision when, from an arbiter at this point. So we'll have to see if um, you know he'd have to prove a pretty high standard to get past that in federal court. So we'll have to see, uh, Tarvin. But this A Rod saga is going to keep going on. Avroid. We'll see what happens. Maybe he had roid rage in the in the hearing today. I don't know, but he's just showing more and more how guilty he is. And I don't know, just the way he's acting, it's just just very frustrating. You'd think football season, we wouldn't have to hear too much more about A-Rod. But, Trey, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to kick off some NFL talk, and we're going to go over some of these games. And also, just a, we're going to talk a lot of college football tonight. So if you don't mind, Trey, you have five great games on the schedule. And I know it wasn't that difficult to find them. So get us started. Let's go. Yeah, so let's let's get into uh, the discussion of our, our NFL games, Tarvin. So looking at number five, uh, you know, this is the Chiefs just lost last week, and we'll have to see now if this has been an exposure for the Chiefs uh, or if they go back to playing the kind of football they were. I mean, the Chargers have been up and down all season. They're actually a pretty good team at four and six. Uh, and, you know, they're play, still playing for a playoff spot, so that they're visiting the Chiefs, Tarvin. Any shot the Chargers uh, sort of shot the Chiefs two weeks in a row? Yeah, I do. I, I think the Chiefs losing that game to Denver, there was so much hype around it. They were undefeated. They finally get that first loss. And now a 4-6 and six Chargers team comes in that, that's pretty decent, Trey. I mean, they're better than their record, in my opinion. And Kansas City is a little vulnerable right now. I think they're going to have a letdown after that loss. Ah, man, it's going to be a very close game. I hate going against Kansas City at home, but, Trey, I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger. I'm going to pick San Diego. Uh, to pull the upset on the road in our first game of the night. Am I crazy? Wow. No, you're getting a little love in the chat room, too. It looks like uh, Jason Humphrey agrees with the Chargers win. 
Uh, you know, Nicholas and Paul both think in the chat room the Chiefs win, and I, I agree with them. I, I think you're right. This could be uh, a letdown. We have another person in the chat room, uh, R2 Two Cents. Uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. He says the Chiefs aren't going to lose at Arrowhead, and I, I kind of agree with him. And I think if this game was in San Diego, Tarvin, I, I would be more concerned with uh, you know sort of a letdown loss you know, on Monday night. Obviously, this is a shorter week, and the Chargers had a little more rest. You tend to play on Monday night, you have less time to prepare. But, uh, you know, I think the Chiefs hold on to this game. Uh, but I am not – I would not be surprised if the Chargers pull one off. Guys, you just have to – you just have to look at football the way it is. It's a long season. And, and think about the energy. Uh, Kansas City, they're not a, a one-loss team. You look at them, they're just not as good as their record. And I just think that deflated them. I think San Diego – is going to play them good. This is a noon kickoff or one Eastern kickoff. It's not like a night game in Arrowhead. San Diego comes in and plays. And let's let's not forget, this is a division rival, Trey. So these teams are very familiar with each other. I just think uh, I just take Rivers over Alex Smith. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you're not you're not crazy. I mean, to Kansas City five and zero at home. Uh, you know, San Diego two and four on the road. And San Diego has been about. You know, about as up and down as you can be in the NFL. Uh, so, I mean, this would be their first division win. Obviously, San Diego would. Uh, but, you know, I tell you, this division is not too crazy to predict that. And the San Diego on a three-game losing streak, I just don't like the way they're playing right now. They've been playing close but not getting over the hump. Uh, and that's, that's that's the big thing there. All right. Well, early on, I'm pulling the shocker, Trey. And in, in your next game, it, it is intriguing, the Rams at home actually – playing against the Chicago Bears. How much did the Bears-Ravens uh, game take out of the Bears last weekend, Trey, and that the, they had a two-hour delay, they had to win in overtime. Now they go on the road to a Rams team that puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they do. The Rams is actually, again, this is one of those tricky four and six teams uh, you that have played well at times. I mean, last week the Rams looked like a different team. Zach, I mean, excuse me, Zach Stacy last time they're on the field, it looks like they found a running back, and that was been part of the problem. I mean, it seems like any guy named Richardson this year is not a good running back, whether it's Trent or Daryl for the Rams. Uh, and, you know, they got, you know, Daryl Richardson lost a job to Zach Stacy, and they really had a different team since then. I mean, heck, Tarvin, even Kellen Clemens at quarterback for the Rams is, is looking okay. So, you know, going into this game with the Bears, Tarvin, I, I think the Rams hold this game off. I think it's going to be close. You still have a backup quarterback playing first. I mean, this is a a battle of backup quarterbacks. Uh, the Bears, you know, obviously have been playing okay. But I think the Rams at home in this game, Tarvin, I just like what they're they're doing right now, and I think they're going to sneak up uh, on the Bears a little bit and, and win. Well, Trey, we have a call. Let's hold real quick. Um, looks like they're calling in from Skype. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Hey, Trey, this is Greg Martin. We went to our high school together. Hey, buddy, how's it going, man? Good. How you doing? Doing great, man. Oh, man, dude, I was actually just thinking about you the other day when we uh, took turns making out in that closet playing spin the bottle and we fucked that one girl in the asshole on the stairs in the basement. Uh, I think her name was Jackie, right? Hey, hey, Chad, I have a joke for you here. If I have a joke for you, buddy, I have your IP, I have your number. Are you stupid enough, Captain, to call into this show and do this? Are you that stupid? I just want to ask that because, you know, I deal with a lot of ignorant, stupid people, and you have to be the biggest dumbass I've encountered. So I have all your information, so good luck to you. Trey, sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was a joke going on. When, you, know, you, you know people you went to high school with. But, 
Uh, I was going to play along and see if it was uh, somebody, you know, being uh, at least cool, but, you know, whatever, man. The thing is, I have all of his information now. That's the funny thing. This guy's so stupid. Um, it's like calling 911, playing a prank. Guess what? We got you, buddy. And uh, and now I'm going to have some fun. Well, you know what happens last time? We usually post this stuff in our chat room, and then about, you know, after about a 1,000 calls, and people usually stop doing it. Uh, but Blog Talk oh. monitors the stuff, as Paul said, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trey, man, I, I'm, I'm questioning your high school buddies now, man. I'm just, <laughs> I just, I just don't, don't know the crowd you you hung out. I knew you in, after college. I didn't know you in high school, man, so I'm going to have to get this guy's <laughs> information down, back and get some, some dirt on you, I guess. Well, you know, you think you know somebody, but all right, man. Let's move on to the, the important stuff, Marvin. Are you gonna, are you going to pull the trigger on the Rams and the Bears? I am. I'm going to pull the trigger on the Rams. Four and six. This team is very good at home. I mean, their defense makes me. I'm impressed every time I watch them. The Bears. I mean, how much did they give up in that game the other day? I I just don't know. I like the Rams at home. Trey in the dome. I think they find a way to win a close one. I do believe they're even favored in this game by two points. So that's interesting. So I'm going to take them, Trey. Who are you going to pick? Yeah, I'm going Rams, too. You know, the the Bears have been 2-2 two and two on the road. You know, again, hold a holding serve at 500. Yeah, I just, like I said, I, I like what the Rams are doing right now with Zach Stacey. I think they found the new identity, um, and that's going to make a difference. But, you know, I'll move on, Tarvin, to the Panthers. Your Panthers coming <laughs> off that big Monday night football win. Uh, traveling on the road to the Dolphins, is this is this a trap game, Tarvin? No, I, I don't think so. I think I think this team's playing with confidence. I, I think they're starting to gel now. I mean, they've they've gotten better, but they still haven't exploded yet. And I, I look for them to explode in Miami. I like the defense to to take care of the Dolphins. And this is the same Dolphins team, Trey, with all the incognito stuff and Martin team that lost to Tampa Bay for God's sake. So. Man, I have to go with the Panthers right here. They're too hot. Yeah, I'm looking in the chat room right now, and it, I'm looking at a lot of Panther wins comments, Panthers wins comments. Uh, so, you know, Trevor, I agree with you. I, I don't think the Panthers get trapped by this one. Uh, I think that Cam Newton is really playing focused right now, and they really have found um, just a nastiness on their defense, and they, and they are just going to, I think, shut down Ryan Tannehill. The, the Dolphins have a really big tendency to be one-dimensional. I mean, I just I never thought much about Lamar Miller as a running back. And, and one of the things that you have to think about is if they can't find a running game, Tarvin, um, then, you know, it's pin your ears time back for those DBs and those linebackers and, you know, everybody for the Panthers' defense. And I just don't think that's going to bode very well for the Dolphins. So I, I think the Panthers win, Tarvin. Yeah, what are they on a, what are they on a six or seven-game winning streak right now? Yeah, six game winning streak. They were I think one and two when when they started this. So yep. That's pretty pretty darn good. Well, seven's a lucky number. So everybody's with the Panthers on this one, Trey, which is surprising. I thought someone would fall and take the bait you gave them. But the number two game, this is I don't know. This is an awesome game. The Indianapolis Colts, a team that's been struggling. They're seven and three now. I mean, they have looked terrible in my opinion, Trey. Now they're going on the road to play a, a hot Arizona Cardinals team, in my opinion. I like the way they're playing at 6-4. and four. What does Andrew Luck do on the road in this game, Trey? Because the, the Cardinals' defense, I mean, I, I'm very impressed with them. I think they're going to be able to contain Andrew Luck. Well, you know, one of the things is, is that people don't realize how well the Cardinals have been playing. They've, they've, been, they've won a quiet three games in a row. I mean, 
nobody is talking about you know a, a team that's won three in a row. I mean, Indianapolis, uh, you know, they've they've been up and down, and they've they've beaten some really good teams, and they seem to lose to teams that you get surprised by. You know, one of the things that I like about the Cardinals is in this you know this three game win, you, Jacksonville, okay, Houston, they're you know, playing bad, Atlanta. You, you can kind of discount those three wins, but I mean, a, a, a Cardinal team usually loses those games, I and mean, they played very, uh, very good against Seattle. They may scored 22 points. They scored 20 against San Francisco against good defenses. So, you know, I just think that this is a team that's starting to find its, its form a little bit. Uh, but Tarvin, I'm gonna, you know, as I build them up, I'm gonna tear them right down. <laughs> I just think the Colts uh, have a little too much. I mean, the thing is, Arizona doesn't have that signature win against a really good football team. And if you look at how they've done, I mean, they beat Detroit, obviously, Arizona did early in the year. But, I mean, they got you know, 22-6 to against Carolina, 31-7 to against New Orleans. I just think the Indianapolis Colts are too good of a football team. I think this uh, is a loss for the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to not so fast you, my friend. I'm, I'm taking <laughs> Arizona. I've, I've learned one thing in this world. Never pick against Arizona when they're at home. And it just seems like – the way Indianapolis, and it, it's not just because they're at home. It's the way I've seen Indianapolis play, Trey. I mean, what has happened to this Colts team? I mean, I know 7-3 and three is a great record, but, I mean, look, look at the teams they've lost to and how they've lost. I mean, I'm not impressed with them anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's you know, that's honest criticism. You know, they think they've played a little better. They're 4-1 and one on the road. They've lost two out of five at home. So it seems like there's something in the dome for them, and I don't know why because, you know, T.Y. Hilton is just a beast at home on the turf, uh, but you're right. T.Y. Hilton and offense seem to struggle when they're outside of the dome a little bit. Uh, and, you know, Arizona's defense is, is certainly some, not something to joke around about them. They're, they're a solid a solid defense, but I just think Carson Palmer has, still has the ability to throw three picks in a game, and that scares me against the defense like the Colts, who actually can have a big game. And we'll make a prediction here, Trey. The Honey Badger scores a touchdown this Sunday. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I mean, hey, hey, why not, man? Why not? I mean, and think about this though: if Arizona wins this game, and then you know, say Frisco, you know, tr- struggles this week, I mean, then Arizona is now sitting at seven and four, and Frisco is now third in the division. So, you know, this is why the NFL is so entertaining. Yeah, it's very entertaining. And speaking of entertaining, how will Tom Brady bounce back after the road loss at Carolina? The Denver Broncos off their big victory against Kansas City come in. And, I mean, this is in Foxborough, trade 9-1 and one versus 7-3. and three. Any chance Tom Brady outduels uh, Peyton Manning? Well, you know, you and I have talked about um, – by the way, I just wanted to let you know, Tarvin, you're getting a lot of Cardinal love in the chat room. So uh, it seems like I'm the one in the minority here picking the Colts. I think me and I think Corey Johnson in the chat room. But So, you know, Tarvin, you are popular with your picks right now. But – Looking at um, looking at Tom Brady, you and I have talked about the, the inconsistency at receiver. You know, Gronkowski has certainly gotten better and helped that offense a lot. Um, but you, know, you saw some things against Carolina that I think uh, are still a little bit of a concern if you're a Patriots fan. I mean, they still have, the, have trouble putting up points the way that Tom Brady has been used to. I mean, throwing the ball around the field, getting dropped passes. So I think this is a big a big test for them, being able to bounce back if they can, Tarvin. Well, I'm going to go ahead and let you know. I picked Tom Brady in this game. It's a night game at home, Trey. And and Tom Brady usually doesn't lose two in a row. And, and I think the defense of, of New England is what's going to be the difference in this game. I think they're going to get pressure on Peyton Manning. Remember, he can't run. 
and that ankle still concerns me a little bit. Maybe New England hits him low and runs him down a couple of times, but I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, of course. I think Tom Brady's going to get his now that Gronkowski's back, and I just think they bounce back from that loss. I think they're they're mad that they didn't get a chance to have that last play to, to win on the road at Carolina. So Denver comes in, Trey. They're going to fall in this one, and, and I, I don't think they've you know, looked ahead or will look ahead. I think they're going to come in and play with everything they have. But Denver is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Foxborough. How many times have you seen New England be an underdog at home with Tom Brady? Yeah, it's rare. And, and let me, you know, since you're, you're picking uh, the Patriots, you know, just let me just give you a little bit of props for it. I mean, if you look at uh, the points that Denver has been putting up, I mean, 49, 41, 37, 52, 51, 35, 39, yeah, 33 in a loss, 45 in the last two games, Tarvin, 28-27. So, I mean, that's at San Diego and against Kansas City. So it seems like there may be something going on there. Maybe it's Peyton Manning and maybe it's that ankle. So you may be on to something there. Uh, I'm still going to not so fast you, my friend. I, I just I have a concern <laughs> for New England being able to stop, you know, the, the Peyton Manning foreheads and that all those receivers are still pretty good. And, you know, I, I just think that uh, – I'm just not so sold on the receivers yet for uh, for New England and being able to, to come down with a big catch. Uh, obviously, if you go to Gronkowski, it doesn't matter, but I just think that they're going to have a guy to cover him. Part of them, come take the Broncos. Well, I mean, that's a great pick, Trey, and, and those five games are, are phenomenal, but there's another one out there that, you know, you look at the win-loss records, it's, it's not that big, but I need to know Dallas is a two-and-a-half-point underdog on the road against the Giants. If Dallas loses this game, Trey, what does that mean? I mean, I'm, I'm worried that Philadelphia is going to take this division, but, but all of a sudden the Giants are very hot. Can they win this game against Dallas and, and make a playoff push? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I think Dallas may lose this week, Tarvin. I, I, I almost put it on the schedule uh, for that just because I think there's a good shot that Dallas does stumble this week. We'll have to see how focused they are, but this is a bad game for Dallas. I mean, honestly, the Giants have been playing better football. Yeah, I mean, if the, if they lose, I mean, how many games have the Giants won in a row? Four? Yeah, something like Three that. Three or four. Man, the Giants could win this division. I mean, they have to win this game. This is a must-win, in my opinion, Trey, for both of these teams. So I just wanted to throw that out there and see what everybody's thinking. I know it's not your top five, but it could have been on that list just for that reason. Just circle that game and, and see. I'm going to pick Dallas to win, Trey, because they're underdogs. I like Dallas when they are underdogs. So I'm going to pick Dallas. You're picking the Giants. We'll talk about that Sunday. But it's now time to get into college football. And if you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. Trey, I just hope your your high school buddy doesn't call back in. <laughs> I'll try to keep it under wraps. Well, we've been hearing a lot about the BCS. It came out Sunday night, Trey, and I just want your opinion on Baylor right now. They have a big game coming up this weekend, and in the polls, they've actually leaped Ohio State. And I just want to see what you think again after you've had a few days to marinate on it. Should Baylor, if they win against Oklahoma State, should they be ahead of Ohio State this Sunday night? Yeah, I think they should. I mean, that's the problem with Ohio State and that schedule is, you know they don't they don't have a, a really signature game right now absent that you know possible Michigan State matchup. So you know that's the problem they have, and you know you, I think you reevaluate on a week by week basis. And if Baylor takes down Oklahoma State this week and they 
you know, they continue to sort of move to that schedule, which we all recognize is getting harder, uh, then it's going to be kind of hard to, to hold them back from that number three spot over, you know, Ohio State program who just, you know, they have Indiana this week, Tarvin. That doesn't, it doesn't strike me as a difficult game. Well, you know, I heard someone bring this up, and it, it got me thinking a little bit. You know, like we look at Tennessee's schedule, how how tough they play it, but you look at Ohio State's schedule. Trey, I just want your opinion. If you put Tennessee in Ohio State's schedule, say Tennessee had to play all of Ohio State's games up to this point, what do you think Tennessee's record would be right now playing that same schedule? That's a that's an interesting question. Tennessee being an up and down team, I mean, you got to think they're going to be you know, Buffalo, San Diego State, at Cal, you know, FMAU, which or AFAMU. I think they lose to Wisconsin. Uh, with Northwestern, they probably you know they probably beat Iowa, Penn State, Purdue, Illinois. I'd say probably Tarvin, you're maybe one, maybe two. Yeah, I'd say Wisconsin's loss and maybe. Maybe West Northwestern, who was playing decent football at the time. Um, but other than that, Tarvin, I don't see a loss in that schedule. So you're thinking nine and one probably, and and that's what I'm I'm looking at too. So Tennessee in this schedule will be nine and one. So let's flip this one time, Trey. Ohio State plays Tennessee schedule, and let's let's keep in mind they're at Oregon, at Alabama, at Missouri, at Florida, home against Auburn, Georgia, South Carolina. Tell us, how, how do you think Ohio State fares with this? Well, I mean, here's the thing is I think Ohio State would be an underdog in multiple games on that schedule. So, I mean, I mean, let me do my thinking here. I think you're going to have uh, definitely a loss at Oregon. You know, I don't I don't see Ohio State being beating Oregon. Uh, I see a loss there. You know, I think obviously the first game is a win. Western Kentucky is a win. Uh, I think Ohio State – in the earlier part of the year, I think they probably get past Florida. Well, I can't remember if Braxton Miller was hurt during that period. But, uh, you know, the next game is a win. UGA, I'm going to call it a loss. South Carolina, that could be a win or loss. Bama's a loss. Missouri, you know, win or lose. Auburn, probably a loss. I mean, so, you know, you probably see, I'd say, four solid losses in that schedule, and you may have more. Okay. I mean, that, that's what I want people to understand out there that's, that's on Ohio State's bandwagon right now. I mean, you could put a rebuilding Tennessee team in there and look just as good probably as Ohio State's done. I'm not saying Tennessee's better than Ohio State, but when you start comparing resumes and looking at teams this late in the year, Trey, I think Ohio State is that one team that's undefeated that could get left by an SEC a big or a Pac-12 team maybe at the end of the season when all the cards are on the table and you're trying to put someone in that national championship game, I think Ohio State could get left out. Well, I think that if you have Baylor undefeated, um, or if you have, I think if Baylor, Alabama, Florida State, or any of those three, or two of those three are undefeated, I just see Ohio State getting left out, and that's just not, um, you know, it's not an indication of necessarily their schedule, but it's also how they play their schedule. I mean, you have to sort of consider both those, Tarvin. And, you know, they didn't really impress early in the year. They kind of blew their number two ranking. If they had played really well, um, people might be complaining that they're number two over Florida State and Baylor who played a tougher schedule uh, just because they had beaten their opponent so solidly. And, you know, that's it's kind of hard to lose number two seed uh, when you have it if you play really well. But they just haven't, Tarvin, and that's just that's just the way it is. 
Yeah, I just want people to understand, and they talk about Urban Meyer, what a great coach he is. You could put almost any team up there and, and have that schedule, and, and and we would be talking about Texas A&M and, and Ohio State schedule would be undefeated. Auburn in that schedule would be undefeated. LSU in that schedule would be undefeated. I mean, it's, it's just crazy, and people are just giving them credit because they, they've won two years in a row. And I think that's good. You've won two years in a row, but really – Name Trey, if you can, signature wins Ohio State's had in that two years. I can't really name any. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And, you know, I was looking at, you know, trying to see, you try to wonder if, if they're addressing this now because obviously if they get left out because of their schedule, they have to be kind of really concerned about that. And it looks like they're trying, Tarvin. I mean, they got Virginia Tech on the schedule next two years, uh, which is usually a pretty solid opponent. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, fighting Hubbardville on the schedule next year. Uh, and then they have Oklahoma in 2016 and 2017 and North Carolina in 17 and 18, so, and then Oregon in 2020. So, you know, they are somewhat addressing this, Tarvin. Uh, unfortunately for them, you know, it may be too, too late because obviously this year may have been their year to make a run at it. But, you know, there's still a lot of football left. I mean, if, if Florida State stumbles against, you know, in the swamp against a rival, um, you know, I mean, Baylor could easily lose one of those games if you, you know, take my belief in them. And then there you have Ohio State playing Alabama, and then we have, you know, sort of last year all over again. Well, Paul says in the chat room, everyone in the top ten has a virtually easy schedule. Um, I, I don't agree with that, Trey. I don't agree with that. Not, a, not as easy as Ohio State. And when you say easy, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, you're talking about, like, they many of the top ten teams do not have a top 20 schedule. I would agree with that. I mean, I think there's a – a difference in maybe a, uh, Alabama who has what a 46 schedule, strength of schedule versus uh, Ohio State it is at 80. I mean, or something like that. I mean, Paul, you can correct me if I'm wrong in the chat room, but there's a uh, a large difference in what Ohio State's done versus some of the other schools in strength of schedule. Paul says he's got the numbers. I mean, yeah, you, close them, please, Paul. Yeah, yeah I don't, numbers lie sometimes. I'll tell you that. But but if you look at Alabama, and everybody says they don't play a lot of people, but in essence, they they played. I mean, not. I mean, they've had some easier games this year than than in the years past, but it's still stronger than a lot of people. So, I don't know. Oregon and um, Florida State played one tough game, in my opinion, Trey. But when I look at Florida State, they 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 passed the eye test to me. I see a a defense that's gotten a lot better. I see an offense that that can be unstoppable at times. Special teams. I mean, this Florida State team to me, looks so much better than Ohio State. And, and what I'm hearing, the grumblings, is nobody wants Ohio State in that game if they play Florida State or Alabama, for that matter. That's, that's double-digit favorites in both of those games, Trey. It'll kind of be like the Notre Dame game, regardless of who Ohio State would play, whether it be Alabama or Florida State. Yeah, I think I've seen that, too. I think even Baylor would be, I think, a six-and-a-half-point favorite um, over Ohio State, too, at this point. But you know, it just it's just a you know you look at Ohio State's schedule and just, there's nobody on that schedule that really stands out as an elite program and they have played you know right now no top ten teams and they got to be right now really hoping that Michigan State keeps climbing the polls. Uh, Michigan State since at 13. I mean that's that's their that's their big game if they can get to it in the championship game. Yeah, and you look at Alabama, Trey Paul says they're 41, and Oregon. But if you look at Alabama's next two possible games at Auburn, number six, and then possibly Missouri, 
is a top ten team, and South Carolina could be at that time. So Alabama's strength of schedule is going to go up a lot if they get to play two more games. So I don't think it's a discussion with Bama right now, or even Florida State. I know their schedule is a little weaker, but like I said, they passed that eye test. And Trey, this week's games, there's some there's some good ones in there. And I think at the end of Sunday or at the end of Saturday night, we're going to have a shakeup in the top ten. So let's get started with number ten, the fifth ranked Oregon Ducks. Trey nine and one. Going to Arizona, six and four. Does this have upset alert on it for you? Yeah, here's the thing, and maybe our you know our resident you know Doc Jason Humphrey who's in the chat room, give us your. But I'm interested to see what you think. I think this could be um, could be a trap game for sure. Uh, do I think Oregon's going to pass it? I do, Tarvin. But this is one of those games that you got to think Oregon. Uh, they have to be focused because Arizona's six and four. They have you know. I think Kerry, who they got the running back, who is you know, legitimately in the Doak Walker discussion. So you got to think. I mean, this is an Arizona team that could be ready for the big leagues and then shocking somebody. But I just think Oregon's ready. I worry about Mariota's health. I worry about if he takes a hit. You know what happens with you know their offense. But right now, I'm going to say Oregon Tarvin. But I'm you know I think this could be a scary one for Oregon. Well, Jason's with us. Jason, welcome to the show. Are you are you nervous about this game? Well, I'm I'm always nervous when Oregon goes down to Arizona. Uh, Spence haven't gone away for some of the past decade down there um, with injuries and, and upsets and whatnot. So it's going to Arizona is always tough, but I think Oregon is sort of win. Easy. Easy? How's your, how's your quarterback holding up now? Is his... Is his injury getting better on his leg? I I think it is. Um, he's, he's still not turning over the ball. So I think if he doesn't turn over the ball, he should be good. So. Well, Jason, I need to ask you, what what do you think about your ju- your Ducks jumping up to number five after Stanford lost and, and they beat Utah last week? And to me, it wasn't very impressive beating Utah like that. What do you think? Are they overrated or are they just right? I think I think they're just right. Um, I think as if everybody in the country watching Oregon didn't think that Utah was that impressive, we did win the game by twenty. Yeah. So. so. Well, all right. Well, I just want to congratulate you for not giving up hope on your ducks after after that loss to Stanford. And uh, good luck in the weeks to come, Jason. And background noise is getting a little too much for me. So, Jason, thanks for calling in. Trey, take us on, buddy. Yeah, we're going to stay in the Pac-12. looking at 6-4 and four Washington, who you and I kind of thought uh, might be different at this point in the season for them schedule-wise, against 6-4 and four Oregon State. I think this is a very evenly matched uh, game, Parvin. Now, what do you think, Oregon State at home or Washington on the road? Man, I, I can't pick Washington anymore. I'm done picking them. Price is out. Oregon State, I mean, these are two teams right here to me that have disappointed this season. They've had their ups and downs. Oregon State started very bad. They're 6-4, and four, Trey, so I'm going to give them the edge at home just because Washington, I think they've given up now and they've quit. Yeah, I'm really interested in, in Washington. You know, we talk about prices, um, you know, what's going on with price. So, yeah, this is such a coin toss for me, and this is one of the ones that when I picked it, I really really had no idea what, I, what who I was going to go with. I, you know, 
I, I'm going to buy into Washington one more week, Carlin. This is my one-week buy-in for Washington. Pull through for me. You know, go go Huskies. Well, I'm, I'm glad to see you pick them and not me because every time I pick them, they lose. So I'm done. And and that takes us to number eight, Cincinnati 8-2, eight and two, and that's a very disappointing record. At Houston, 7-3, and three, Trey. I mean, Houston seems to play better at home. Can Tommy Tuberville go on the road and, and pull off a win? I mean, I know they're not going to win their conference or anything, but how important is this game for Cincinnati? Well, I mean, this is a big for Tuberville and Cincinnati. I mean, they said 8-2, and two. Houston's at 7-3. You know, Houston's coming off of a couple of tough games. I'm going to go with the Tupperville team here, Tarvin. I think they're going to uh, go to 9-2. and two. Now, I'm going to take Houston in this game. I, I think Tommy Tupperville has been known to lay some eggs. But Houston at home, I think because they play tougher games right now, I think they're they're more ready for this game. So, Trey, I'm going to not so fast you, and I'm going to take Houston at home. I think it's going to be close. I think the spread's three. Uh, but I just like Houston at home in this one. Too much offense. Yeah, it looks like I'm the only person picking Washington, by the way, or the previous game. So I may be out and out and lose the island on that one, but I'll stick with my I'll stick with the Huskies on that one. So, Tarvin, we're going to go to the SEC and talk about um, you know Vanderbilt six and four, but traveling to Tennessee uh, four and six. I mean, this is a game that Tennessee has to have. They're going to have any shot at a bowl. Uh, what do you think, Vanderbilt or Tennessee? Well, I like Tennessee and. You know, for two reasons, they had the bye week, and that's huge this time of year to have a day or have an entire week off. and And their schedule has been brutal. They played at Missouri, at Alabama, and they hosted Auburn. And now that's three top ten teams they played, Trey, and they finally get a break. Looking at their schedule, Vanderbilt and Kentucky, those are very winnable games for these guys. And right now, this game's all about two games. I mean, this season's about two games. They have to win them. It's elimination week for them. I like Tennessee because they're more athletic than Vanderbilt, and at home that crowd's going to pull them through. Dre, a night game in Rocky Top. Yeah, it looks like the chat room split. You know, Jonathan picking Tennessee, Jason and Corey picking Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, this is one of the ones where the doors can really again sort of distinguish themselves as sort of you know that decent you know mid-level SEC team, which is where I think a lot of people are surprised they could be. Uh, Cuervo, just <laughs> there you go, Cuervo. He's saying go Big Orange. I think the bye week is important because of the obviously the quarterback situation in Tennessee. You have a lot of young players. I think this game is going to be very, very close. Uh, and by the way, thanks Paul for posting the top ten teams in the nation and their strength of schedule. Appreciate that for everybody in the chat room just to see. And then Tarvin, uh, you know, I'm going to say because of the bye week as well, Tennessee wins a very close one. But I got to tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if Vandy, Vandy wins this one too. I mean, Vandy's a decent enough team. But I think the bye week at this point in the year helps you get a little bit healthier, and it obviously helps with the quarterback situation in Tennessee. So Tennessee wins a close one against Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, tell us right here, how big is this game for them? I mean, tell us, tell the listeners out there, Trey, the difference between going to bowl at 6-6 six and six and closing up shop in two weeks. Well, the biggest thing about a bowl game is the extra practice. And when you have a lot of freshmen playing and you have a lot of young guys, uh, it is absolutely important to get the extra practice. We heard, you know, Coach Latt, when he's on the show with us all the time, talks about, you know, the extra practice is so important for bowl weeks, and, and it really is. I mean, you really can't, um, you know, once your season's over or you're done, you can't have your guys on the field practicing and that kind of stuff and getting the extra reps. So, you know, you want Tennessee, you know, you know for Cuervo, a big Tennessee guy, you want your team to make a bowl just if nothing else for, you know, those guys, those young guys to get those reps in. 
Well, I mean, it's an, it's an audition, too. You get those extra practices. You get a chance to get some momentum heading into the next year. And, and looking at the recruiting class for Tennessee, Trey, I think right now they're number two. But they have, like, 16 four-stars already committed and a five-star. So a huge recruiting class coming into Knoxville. This could be huge to win these two and, and win a bowl game, finish with seven wins. I mean, I think that's huge for Tennessee's momentum, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and they definitely need it to, uh, to finish off that recruiting. All right, well, we're picking the balls here. They're going to be 5-6 and six and playing Kentucky to see if they can do it. And the next game on the list, Trey, and, and I'm asking you why you have this game on here, and that's why I'm here, Indiana 4-6 and six at number three, Ohio State. Do you have them on here because of their defense, Ohio State's defense playing an Indiana team that can put up some points? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, if if you talk about, you know, the four major unbeatens, uh, obviously Chattanooga and Idaho legitimately not do not have a shot unless <laughs> you know, unless there's some sort of bus accident or train you know, train plane accident. Um but I mean you talk about the two teams that do against the top two teams, well you have you know, Indiana who you know you're you know, it's like dumb and dumber, you're saying there's a chance. Uh and then you have of course <laughs> Baylor, which was our number one game. Uh yeah, I, do I think Indiana's going to beat Ohio State? I don't, but I'm not thinking that. But you know, this is half of the year that crazy things can happen. Uh, but this is in the this is in the, this is in the horseshoe. Um, I mean, Indiana just got blasted by Wisconsin, 51 to three. Uh, they're they're not going to beat Ohio State, but you know, who knows? Well, I'll tell you this: Indiana, at least Trey, and I'm going to say at least puts up 30 points in this game. Now they could give up 80. But they're going to put up 30 points. They're going to take their frustration out. It was a bad matchup against Wisconsin, and I think they actually get some points in this game. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think they score on Ohio State too. And I think you talk about you know Ohio State scoring 80. You know, this is where Meyer will run. I mean, he's running up the score at this point because he needs to. And you'll you may see this get uh, ridiculous. You may see a 63 point, you know, 70 point. Uh, game, you know, with Braxton Miller in the game late in the third quarter, maybe even in the fourth. So, you know, be ready to look out for that if you like a lot of scoring. You're probably going to see a lot of Buckeyes in the end zone. Well, I'm I'm, I'm not going to pick Indiana, and even though I'm feeling froggy, Trey, I'm going to save my upsets for later. Uh, the next game, number five on the list, this is a big game in the SEC East especially. The number eight Missouri Tigers, 9-1, and one, they get their quarterback back going on the road to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is 7-3, and three, Trey. They lost three in a row, but, you know, they've had some good wins this year, LSU, Texas, and now here they come at 7-3. and three. This team legitimately has a shot to be 9-3 and three and make a New Year's Day Bowl, Trey. So are you going to pull up – are you going to pull the upset in this one and take Ole Miss, or are you going to go with the favorite? Yeah, what's the points for them? It's just curious. Two and a half, Missouri's favorite. Two and a half, yeah. Um, you know, the thing about this, you know, you said obviously in Oxford, uh, you have you know James Franklin back for Missouri, which you know Matty Mock was playing pretty darn well as well. So you got to think that you know this for the Missouri team, I and mean, you don't know if this is actually a, you know better for them as well as Matty Mock's been playing. But yeah, I, I should honestly, Tarvin, I didn't buy in for Missouri for a long time, and it's, it's cost me in our pick'em so many times. I just can't buy into Ole Miss just yet. Uh, I'm going to take James Franklin in, in Missouri in this game. Well, you're wrong, Trey. This is a <laughs> night game. <laughs> wrong again. 
I think this is a night game in Oxford, and this team has some momentum now. They they lost to A&M in a close one. They lost to Auburn in a close one, and they got beat by Alabama. So those are three forgivable losses. But, uh, you know, to get the forgiveness, they beat LSU, and ever since then this team has been rolling. Trey, this time of year last year this team was very good, and I, I really think Missouri is a good football team. I'm not saying that, but going on the road in Oxford, it's going to be on the defense of Missouri. I think they're good. But I think Ole Miss pulls the upset, Trey, and they get South Carolina into the SEC championship to play either Alabama or Auburn. So mm, I'm not ready to, to crown Missouri East champions yet. This is going to get very interesting. I'm going to go ahead and pull the upset today or Saturday. Well, I mean, Missouri's won four in a row, and you know, LSU was the one that matters in there. Uh, but, you know, to me – I, I just can't pull the I can't pull the upset for um, for Ole Miss at this point. Maybe I, this you're right. This could go either way. Ole Miss is playing a lot better than they were playing during that three-game losing streak. When they did play three tough teams, I mean, Bama, Auburn, and Texas A&M, that's three solid bosses. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely, it, it could definitely happen. Well, if everybody's wondering why there's no other co-hosts on the show tonight, it's because I won the Pick'em Challenge straight. So, just to let everybody know, I was I was 14 and one last weekend. That's pretty impressive, right? Oh, I mean, you didn't win them all, though, Tarvin. What's up with that? You know, I, I pick. I can't even remember who. I picked Washington, remember? You don't pick Washington. <laughs> Anybody that's a perfect week, I do not pick them anymore. I'm done. So, just had to throw that out there. And I don't know, this Missouri game is going to be entertaining. If, if there's any game you want to watch on Saturday, this is one, Trey, that has offense in it. It's going to have some defense in it. We're going to see how good Missouri really is. If they win this game on the road, Trey, and they beat Texas A&M, they host Texas A&M the following week, I believe, how how good will Missouri be in the rankings? Well, I mean, obviously I think that's going to be interesting to see because, I mean, if Auburn, I think the Auburn-Alabama game would have to have to rack and stack as well because, say, if Auburn beats Alabama, does Alabama fall past Missouri, you know, I mean, the, so, I mean, it's going to be up there, Tarvin. They're definitely going to be solidly in the top ten for sure. I mean, there's nothing about that. Well, Paul wants us to know that Franklin will be starting. And I thought I said – did I say that, Trey? I can't remember. I thought I said Franklin yeah, will yeah, be back or – okay. All yeah. right, Franklin, that is big for them. But, but how does that change the momentum? It seems like when Franklin was there, they were good. But they it seemed like they got better with their backup in, Trey. How does this affect the offensive line, maybe the chemistry going on the road now? This is not a home. Going on the road with Franklin starting. Well, like I like, like talked about, Matty Mock has been good for them. So, um, you know, I think if Franklin struggles, you're going to see Mock anyway. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to leave Franklin in. But, I mean, Franklin was dynamic early in this year and really showed progression. But, you know, you gotta, you got to gotta wonder if he's 100%. Because if he's not, you got to think that Matty Mock is, is much better in there. Well, we we have an SEC fan on the line. Corey is with us. Corey, who do you like in this, this Missouri Ole Miss game? Uh, it's it's going to be a tight game, but I think I'll take Ole Miss at home, like you said, at home at night. And I, I think they're a little bit underrated. You think Ole Miss is underrated? Yeah, I think they're a little underrated this year. So, okay. um, well, Also... Uh, Getting James Franklin back for Missouri is good. I mean, I think he's probably one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, but he's coming back uh, after being out several weeks, and Malk has done such a good job. If Franklin starts to struggle, 
you have to wonder if they're going to start playing musical quarterbacks or anything or if it's going to cause a little dissension on the sideline or anything like that. That's a, that's a good point. But, Corey, I want you to – I'm getting a little background noise. Can you can you check that? I want you to stay with us for these games and some comments to wrap up the show. Uh, this takes us straight to our number four game, Wisconsin, number 19, ranked 8-2, and two, going on the road to a surprising 8-2 and two Minnesota team, Trey, that is ranked in the BCS. Uh, did, did you put this on here because you smell an upset? Well, I mean, where where is our fighting gopher? I mean, that, that, that's where's the angry gopher? Um, but no, this is. Uh, I put this on there so maybe somebody else could pick it up. Said I'm picking a drubbing in this one. I agree with. I think somebody's posted that in the chat room. Minnesota's having a really magical year. I mean, this, there's um, there's no way around that. That what Minnesota's doing is 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 amazing for what they have, you know, talent wise. Uh, but this is sort of the end of the, the four-game winning streak they have, Tarvin, I think, Wisconsin, uh, and Melvin Gordon win this pretty easily. Well, Corey, I, I think I think Minnesota is going to get boat raced in this game by Wisconsin. What do you think? Uh, I think Wisconsin's probably going to pull it out. I, I don't know about raped or anything like that, but uh, I think Wisconsin no, probably no, pulls it out. I, 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 I said raped. I said raced, not raped. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that. But uh, either way, um, by the way, I think I went to high school with Trey, so I'm going to shout some obscenities now. But uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway yeah, I think Wisconsin probably pulls it out by about 10 points or so. Okay. Well, we're all on board with with uh, with Wisconsin over the Gophers, so. So I don't know where Jason is. Maybe he's scared of this game, Trey. Maybe he doesn't want to come on the show and, and jinx the Gophers right now because, you know, when he's missing, Minnesota's winning. Maybe that's it. Why Maybe that's a fan, right? She probably cut yeah, off his access to the media this week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, that takes us to number three, guys, uh, Arizona State. And this is surprising to me, guys, and tell me, Arizona State's ranked 17th, 8-2, and two, going on the road to number 14, 8-2, ranked UCLA. And, Trey, Arizona State's like a three-point favorite in this game. That made me scratch my head a little bit. I thought UCLA would be at least a three-and-a-half, four-point favorite over Arizona State. Yeah, this this line, too, I was I was a little, I was a little interested in that. I couldn't figure – I still can't figure it out, Tarvin. I mean, Arizona State has been playing – and this, they've been playing good football, and I think they're a good football team. But, I mean, I mean UCLA is just – Man, I just think they're, you know, they're a really good football team, and to see Arizona State um, the favorite, I'm, I'm, what, what do they know, Tarvin? What do they know that I don't? I don't, I don't know. I mean, Arizona State's a good football team, but when I look at UCLA, Corey, I see more of a, a physical attack. I see a team that, that has a good quarterback, that can run the football, that can play defense, and they're at home. Why does Vegas side with Arizona State in this one? Uh, I. Really don't know. I guess it's just because Arizona State, uh, from what I've seen, is kind of a flashy big offense team, and um, they've they've really beaten down some of their Pac-10 opponent or Pac-12 opponents. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm on board with you. I think uh, UCLA is too physical for them. I'll probably outlast them in the end. Well, Trey, I'm going to go with Arizona State in this game because Vegas knows something that I don't. That line is crazy. I think they're wanting people to take UCLA. So, Trey, are you going against 
Arizona? Are you going against UCLA in this one and going with me and picking Arizona State? Well, I mean, here's the interesting thing, uh, you know, that I started looking into when I looked at this game is you talk about, you know, the physicalness of opponents that Arizona State has faced and, you know, and I'm also looking at sort of the the common opponent, I look at it, I look at Stanford. You know, you had a 24 to 10 loss for UCLA. So UCLA was only able to put up 10 points against that Stanford defense. Um, you know, when they lost, Arizona State also lost to Stanford. They put up 28, Tarvin. They also gave up 42. But um, that's a just that was a little interesting to me that they were able to move the ball on Stanford. And I, I think they're going to move the ball on UCLA. And the question really comes down to is, is how does Hunley play? Because he's going to be forced to make a lot of plays. And, you know, I, I'm going to do exactly what you did, Tarvin. I, I'm, I'm scared by what Vegas is doing. And I'm going to pick Arizona State. There's just something about that offense. And I wonder if UCLA, who's just given up a lot of points to, to, some, to a lot of teams, are, are going to be able to stop Arizona State. So I'm picking UCLA to lose for that reason. Okay. Well, well, Corey, you're all alone right there, son. Sorry. Trey and I out oh. overrule you right now, two to one. That's that's the way it works. It's democracy. All right, guys. It's time to get it's it's time to get with the fun games now. I mean, this is gonna be a great CBS game. Not only do you get to see Vern Lundquist in action, here is his color analyst and you have uh, Gary Danielson. Actually I don't hate Gary Danielson too bad, Trey, but Johnny Manziel going on the road at Baton Rouge, 3.30 Eastern kickoff on CBS. And here's an interesting stat for you, Trey. Johnny Manziel has never lost a road or a neutral side game in his college football career. So does it does that streak end Saturday against LSU? Uh, I mean, that certainly is. A, you know, I've seen that stat going around, too. And, you know, that's impressive. Um, as far as I know, he's never been to LSU, Darwin. Nope. So, um, you know, obviously the environment's different. I know we won at Bama, and you have all those stats. And Zell's putting up great numbers. I, I'm not, I don't think he doesn't um, – you know, I think he's going to have a good game, Torben. There's no doubt about it. But I just think LSU is going to be too much for them, and this crowd's going to be insane. What time of the game is that, what, Torben, 2.30 in the afternoon? 3.30. Yeah, 3.30. Yeah, 3.30 Central today. So it's not a night game. That, that, that bodes well for Menzel. I, I think this is going to be a closer game. I mean, this is going to be probably the most entertaining game of the day. It's going to be high scoring. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to say LSU holds serve at home. Corey, is Johnny Manziel good enough to go on the road and beat LSU? Because if you're an Auburn fan like you are, Corey, you really need LSU to win this game. Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, Manziel is good enough, but I don't, I don't think he gets it done because I think LSU's offensive front We'll just shove it down Texas A&M's throat all day. So I think they they match Manziel score for score and probably get a an extra score or two compared to him. But I don't see Texas A&M stopping LSU's run game. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see Texas A&M stopping anyone's running game, or I haven't seen it. But but Corey, let me ask you this. And Paul brought it up last show. Uh, you know, he said a ten and two A&M team would go over a. An Auburn team is ten and two, and I didn't think it was fair. But from what I'm hearing, he's exactly right. And not only that, uh, a ten and a ten and two A and M team would go over an eleven and one Alabama team if they were to lose in the Iron Bowl just to get Johnny Manziel. Give us your thoughts on that, real quick. Well, I mean, as much as I would dislike it, I think he's correct that if Auburn and Texas A&M were both ten and two, 
they'll probably take Texas A&M because they have Johnny Manziel. And, um, I, I'd be perfectly fine with Texas A&M going over an 11 and one Alabama team because that would mean Auburn beat Alabama. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think if if Auburn and Texas A&M end up with the same record, uh, the bowl, whatever bowl, Sugar Bowl or any other, would probably take Texas A&M first. Okay, so Trey, who are you picking in this one? Uh, you know, I know you're gonna like this, Tarvin. I'm going with LSU. I just, you know, I don't think that A&M's defense is anything. Um, even if Mettenberger plays, you know, a 75% game, I think that um, that he scores tremendously a lot on on A&M. I know that Manziel's had two weeks to prepare, but the problem is it's not Manziel preparing. And Manziel's going to have just as fine game. And does that two weeks help the defense at all? Um, and that's the question. Well, how lucky did, did CBS get last week, Trey, picking – Auburn and Georgia game over the Mississippi State Alabama game. Could they strike strike gold again with A and M LSU? I mean, I think this is going to be, I mean, just a phenomenal game, honestly. Oh yeah, this is going to be um, probably the most entertaining game to watch. I mean, very tough for the number one game as well. Both those games are going to be probably far and away um, just the games of the week. But uh, I, I just think that you know, this is going to be a fun game because there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. Yeah, if Johnny Manziel wins this game, guys, I mean, if he goes into Baton Rouge and wins, just go ahead and hand him the Heisman Trophy at midfield after the game. When the coaches are shaking hands, go ahead and hand Manziel the Heisman Trophy trade because it's his if he wins this one. If he wins this one, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if he, if he wins it, it's going to be, a, you know, a 49-40 game. So he's clearly going to have, you know, big numbers. So absolutely, Tarvin, if he wins this, he's looking good. But Trey, if he loses this game, which I'm 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 predicting LSU to win this game at home, they do have some pride left. They're not going to lose at home. Could he still win the Heisman with a with a third loss? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot that could happen in this season to to let him you know walk into the Heisman still. I mean, you know, you got Winston's you know thing going on, and you know if that doesn't resolve itself or it resolves itself uh, in a very negative way for. For Winston, then it's going to be a tough for, for Manziel, even with three losses, to, to lose to Heisman because just unless Bryce Petty goes undefeated, that's really the only X factor. Because I think the drop off after Petty is just so severe um, that you know Manziel, even if he loses, as long as he looks good doing it, then he'll keep uh, a tight rein over that. Well, look, I, I still, if I had a Heisman vote, I'm going to vote for the the best player in the country. And and you know a quarterback, you, they judge they're judged by wins, Trey. But you look at Johnny Manziel with what he has. You, you couldn't name three players on that offense, and you couldn't name any on the defense. The way he's well, he's well, played in the I don't, for two I don't years. Agree with that, he's got a he's got a top ten pick in on offensive line, and Mike Evans who might be a top ten pick. So the cover doesn't bear there's on that two. offensive line. Huh? All right, well, there, there's two. That's name two first one. round top ten picks. <laughs> that's good enough. Okay, buddy. The, there's no other team in the nation who has two other three top ten p- possible picks in their offense. Okay, so let's not let's not get too overly excited there. All right, I said three, you did two, Trey. So all right, I mean I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but the defense that he has to play with, he has to put up uh, game numbers like Xbox numbers in order to to win every week. And I'm impressed if he goes into Baton Rouge and wins this week, guys. I mean, it's just what a what a career he's had, and I, and I think they will beat Missouri as well. So, 
he's going to end up 10-2 and two if he wins this one probably. But you never know. I mean, Johnny Manziel could come back, Trey, and play another year. He's just that crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, college football would just go insane if he came back for another year. But, uh, man, I would not – you'd have to pay me to bet against that. I uh, know, right? Number one game, and, and this surprised me, too, with the point spread. And I'll start with Corey on this one. Corey Baylor, the number four team in the country, goes on the road to Oklahoma State, 9-1. and one. They're in the top ten, but Baylor's a ten-point favorite on the road at night. Game day's going to be there. Who do you like? Uh, I'm going to take Baylor overall, but I don't think they cover the spread. I'll say they win like uh, 55-48. It's going to be a shootout, 50. I think. Well, Trey, I mean, is this a slap in the face to Oklahoma State being a 10-point underdog at home? I mean, Baylor, if you look at their schedule, their only win on the road, really, Kansas State, and that was a 10-point game. They struggled in that game. Can they be upset in this game? Well, I think, yeah, absolutely they can. Uh, this is, you know, but they're a 10-point favorite, and it's really no other reason than because I think Oklahoma State has one of the worst losses uh, of a one-loss team. I mean, you're talking about they lost at West Virginia, who is, you know, four and six or something like that. So, I mean, that's that's a bad loss. I mean, they they played well. I mean, recently. I mean, you talk about, you know, 38 to 13 at Texas last week, you know, 42 to six Kansas. I mean, they've been beating people pretty handedly. But the problem is, is they have the tendency to give up points. I mean, Texas four on them, 27 at Iowa State, you know, 29 against Kansas State. I mean, these aren't exactly. Um, offenses that generally scare you. So that's the problem with, you know, the Baylor Bears coming to town and having a defense that's had problems stopping people. You know, one thing that concerns me for Oklahoma State is Baylor got down 14, 20 points, something like that last week, and maybe they were overlooking uh, to get to to Oklahoma State. So I don't think Baylor's going to be overlooking anyone, Trey. Uh, This is a tough game to pick. I'm going to pick Baylor in this one just because how much offense they have. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And the way they can make stops, it's all they have to do is stop somebody two or three times and they're going to win a football game. And that West Virginia loss to Oklahoma State, Trey, that really made me get off this team a little bit. So I don't know. If Baylor wins this game, Trey, do you think they could lose that TCU or, or at home against Texas? They don't play a Big 12 championship game. Yeah, I mean, this is their toughest game. I know people talk about Texas and TCU being, you know, difficult as well, and they are to some extent. But, I mean, this is in Stillwater at night, you know, game day pressure. Um, this this is their this is their big game. But, you know, I'm picking Baylor as well. I just, I, I have, I just, I haven't seen Oklahoma State's defense step up enough to be able to stop what Bryce Petty and, you know, C. Shruck are doing uh, for Baylor. That's what you know. That's what scares me about Oklahoma State is their defense. I think they're going to give up way too many points. I think they're going to score on Baylor, but I think ultimately this is just one of those things. You know, they're, they're just not going to be able to score enough. Well, Corey, I know as a as an Auburn fan, you are you're going to be pulling for Oklahoma State in this game, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pulling for uh, anything that would help Auburn move up. But of course, that's, that's contingent upon Auburn pulling the upset over Alabama. If uh, if Ohio State and Baylor both lose, and then Alabama beats Auburn, you know, I would give anything for a time machine to come back and let Ohio State and Baylor both win. <laughs> I, I just want anybody to uh, 
shut Alabama out of the championship game. And I think Alabama beats Auburn, Ohio State, Baylor lose, and Alabama can still win the SEC championship and go to the BCS championship. I mean, still lose the SEC championship and go to the BCS championship. Well, you know, I know speaking that was of a this, mouthful, but yeah. <laughs> Well, all of us are picking Baylor, and and you live in Alabama now. And I know Trey does, but you're, I mean, you're you're up in Alabama more. I think you live in Florida, actually. But what are you hearing so far about this Iron Bowl coming up? I know we're two weeks away, but every time I turn on a local radio station in Alabama, that's all they're talking about. Are you asking me or Trey? You. Oh yeah. What I've been hearing so far is uh, just um, a lot of division. I mean, Auburn fans think. It's going to be a great game and a shootout, and then Auburn has a good chance to win. Uh, most Alabama fans are under the impression that it'll be a lot like last year's Iron Bowl. So uh, there's just a lot of uh, huge difference in opinions so far is what I'm hearing. Well, I'm hearing, Corey, that Walmart, you know, that, that Saturday night is going to stay open late in case the Tide pull out the miracle in the Iron Bowl. Are you hearing that? All Walmarts <laughs> in Alabama will be staying open late to print T-shirts. Uh, yeah, I guess they'll have the screen printers warmed up and ready to go if Alabama wins. Um, Sports Illustrated is probably going to be in the, the back of the stores with a truckload of pre-printed Tide Victory magazines. <laughs> Trey, I, I know I know you're in Alabama now. What are you hearing in Montgomery right now about the Iron Bowl? Uh, I've honestly been kind of in a cave uh, for this week and when it comes to sports, other than on the OFC on ESPN every now and then. So, I haven't caught a lot of the hype this this week because you know, I've been uh, uh, doing some stuff at work. So you know, it's you know, I'm sure that it's going crazy. I think Paul Paul said there's something about Malzahn not getting fat in a Waffle House. <laughs> I haven't heard that. So I'm kind of <laughs> glad that I haven't heard this stuff going on. I couldn't I'll get tell a you this at Waffle House in Auburn either on Saturday. You know, let me tell you oh. this, guys. I, I I came to work. I live in Atlanta, so there's a lot of dog fans around me. I walk in Monday morning to work and just I see this lady there and I ask her, I said, well, tough loss the other day. What would you think? And she busted out crying, Trey. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know, man. They, some people will take this stuff pretty seriously, as we know. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever cried over a football game, but, you know. <laughs> I, I, I teared up a couple of times, but it wasn't over a loss. It was over a win, so. Yeah, I mean that was it's a crazy. A lot of people here in Georgia are, are talking about Mark Rick Trey, and you know, again, he was a preseason team to be able to win a championship, maybe. And again, he's underachieved. That's four losses. They still play Kentucky and Georgia Tech. How long is Georgia going to hold on to Mark Rick as their head coach? Well, I mean, if they're smart, I mean, they're going to look. I mean, they were, you know, obviously not an excuse, but then they did have some injuries this year. I think. Their expectations were set a little too high based on the personnel they had this year. I just didn't think that was a realistic uh, sort of – I know coming off last year, possible SEC championship game, you know. Uh, but I just don't think that this this team was going to realistically go for a national championship. But that's why you and I picked them to lose early in the season. So and they had a tough schedule, man. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Well, Trey, Trey, I look back at our predictions, and, and when we talked about LSU, Georgia – we were right on on these because I think we both had Georgia lose five football games this year, four or five, I can't remember. And LSU, I think I had them losing four. 
So it's very possible LSU could end up with four losses this year too. So our SEC predictions were, I mean, were very good this season. Yeah, we both had Georgia struggling this year. I think we both had um, LSU. I think I may have had LSU differently than you did. I may have had them two or three versus four. Um, but, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, Paul, yeah, I had, I had LSU 10 and 2. You had a mate in four. I mean, there's a chance they, they either finish either your prediction or, or, or in between. So, and Nicholas had them 9 and 3. So, it looks like that. So, you know, it's just one of those things, though. And I think that, you know, some of us looked at them as not elite programs this year and it looked, looked like they would struggle a little bit. Uh, and that's going to happen. I think I had A&M struggling as well more than you did. So, you know, this is the way it goes. No, I had A&M struggling, I believe, more than you did. I predicted them to lose four or five games, too. And, and they still could. I mean, they could still lose this weekend against LSU, and they could lose to Missouri. That would be four, but I don't think it's going to happen. But, Trey, one game, one thing we missed we thought would be better this year, the Auburn Tigers at 10-1 and one right now. And, and that's a surprise story in college football. And I, I don't know any fans, even Homer fans, Auburn fans, predicted this kind of season with this kind of possibility of, of going to a national championship. So just a preview kind of of the Iron Bowl, just for a second, Trey, what are the keys to Auburn actually pulling off an upset against a heavily favored Alabama Crimson Tide? Well, I mean, you know, there's a, absolutely a shot. I mean, it's going to be in the Plains. It's going to be, um, you know, the biggest Iron Bowl. And, you know, I don't keep up with the Iron Bowl as well as you do, obviously, but the one biggest one that I can remember for, for a while, uh, I don't know the last time they were both um, both undefeated, not undefeated, but both, uh, in the top ten, you know, near near undefeated. So I mean, it's going to be as, as, as seriously as Alabama and Auburn take football. I mean, this game is going to be crazy. It is, and and the the state of Alabama, Corey, is going to implode if Auburn pulls off an upset. Oh, you're not kidding, man. I mean, uh, uh, there'll be like a ridiculous number of nine one one calls that night if Auburn beats Alabama. What, what, what will the 911 calls be about? Uh, chest pain, uh, domestic disturbances, uh, disorderly <laughs> conduct, uh, public intoxication, <laughs> those kind of things. Okay, so I guess Alabama better win that game, Trey, or it could get ugly in Jordan Air that night. <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to be ugly one way or the other. I mean, there's going to be uh, some upset fans. From, from one side that night for sure. From what I, from what I'm hearing, I think both sides are pretty confident um, in the, their chances of winning. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean this is a this is a rare year where you know Alabama in the past doesn't beat a, a top ranked Auburn team like this. But I think ninety ninety three or ninety four, I believe Auburn was nine zero and one playing an Alabama team that. That was very good. So this is the biggest Iron Bowl that I remember, guys, since the split of the SEC and the divisions like this. It's going to be huge. And, Trey, we'll probably have to do a show as big as this rival is and as many fans as we have for both teams. We're probably going to have to do a, an Iron Bowl special, just one show talking about the Iron Bowl. <laughs> well, maybe, I guess. Uh, there's, there's certainly a, a lot of our listeners who do love uh, love their Tigers and love their Roll Tide. Uh, they've been missing a lot lately, though. I mean, we're you know, we're missing a lot of them recently, Tarvin. Maybe they're saving it up. I have no idea of where they are, but you know, as long as they show up for Iron Bowl week, that's fine. A lot of people listen to the archive, but 
but you know, this is going to be a special game. It's going from three and nine last year. If you're an Auburn fan, to ten and one, even if you lose to Bama, it's disappointing. But still, to finish ten and two with a chance to play in a BCS bowl game, Trey, that really boosts recruiting. And I don't know if you've heard, but Alabama's lost two of their top recruits this weekend, or this week actually, one to Southern Cal and one to Auburn. What's going on in Alabama that caused them to start losing some verbal commitments this close to the end of the season? Well, you know, Nick Saban usually doesn't lose a commitment. I mean, so it's kind of an interesting story when you have Nick Saban losing guys, especially when he has them losing in state. So, you know, I mean, it's bound to happen just from, I think, from some some instances from the depth they have in the recruiting. I mean, you get three, you know, five-star running backs. I mean, last year they all ended up committing to Alabama, and it kind of like, you know, you kind of expected one of them to flip on, on signing day. So I think some of it is just the depth. Uh, uh, at Alabama last year, some of these recruits just you know worried they can't play there at first um, when they first get there. But you know it is it is something to watch out for to see if the trend continues. Well, Trey, in closing here, I'm going to try to get two special guests for the Iron Bowl show: uh, Harvey Updike and the Teabagger Corey. If I could get both of those people on my show, that would be a, a great show, right? Yeah, I mean, Updike's out of jail from what I understand, so you might get him, but um, I don't think the whatever parish, county jail, whatever down there is going to let you talk to Brian Downing or whatever his name is, teabagger guy. Well, well, guys, I think we have Coach Lett on the phone. Coach Lett, how are you today, sir? Doing well, doing well. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing great. Thanks for calling in and... And joining in with us, you had a, a bye week this week, getting ready for that that huge game against Vanderbilt Saturday night. Tell us how that went. Say again. Tell us how the the bye week preparation. How much you needed a bye after the the schedule you had. Tell us how the preparation uh, for Vanderbilt's going. Oh man, that, the bye week was like heaven. We needed badly one to uh, get some guys healthy. After the, one of the toughest stretches in the history of college football, and two, just uh, get our uh, our mental psyche right again. We, like I said, we took a we had a a really tough stretch there. We had to kind of take a, a step back and regroup for a minute. So the bye week came at a perfect time. We used it. We, we practiced three days during the bye week. Got a lot of film. We actually uh, one day we took one we took the whole team to the movies. I just got out relaxed a little bit because it's been a grind, a really tough grind. Yeah, that I mean, it's like you said that that nightmare of a schedule. It's just, I mean, the bye week to me came at a, a perfect time for you guys. Uh, this really the last two games. It's a it's a playoff, really. You have to win these two games to get bowl eligible. And tell us how important that is, and, and how much your staff's emphasizing this game this weekend. How important these next two are. We're emphasizing it. We're calling it Game Seven. Well, that's honestly that's uh, that's where we're at right now. We're treating it like it's Game Seven. We're gonna go home. You can't get you can't get to six unless you get five. And uh, we we've had a whole bunch of former former balls uh, call in and say the two most things most important things you got to do is beat Vandy and beat Kentucky. And we got the opportunity right now these last two weeks. So Vandy's a, Vandy's a really good team. They just came off a uh, big victory against Florida. They beat Georgia. They're, they're having a very great season. 
Tell us about the development of your quarterback. How how important is a bye week? How much work can you get? You know, film study, maybe just preparation. How big is this bye week for your freshman quarterback? The bye week was great because it actually allowed Dobbs, the freshman quarterback, to get a little bit more gel with our freshman receivers, our young receiving core. Doing this, doing uh, that tough stretch, we really had to cut back on uh, how much we were running our, our receivers and routes on there, things of that nature, because we were running them into the ground and they were so thin in all the positions that we couldn't do everything we wanted to do and be ready to play on Saturday. So uh, with the bye week, we were, allowed to, we were able to get a lot of reps with the quarterback and get a lot of routes and get some more, more timing down. And you can see uh, Dobbs just developing before our eyes. Like certain throws he couldn't make in camp, he's making on a regular basis out of practice. And uh, he's really taking the, taking the leadership role. He's done a phenomenal job. And uh, we're excited to have Dobbs. He's doing a great job. Trey? Hey, Coach. Uh, looking at your team, I mean, what did you see on the bye week? And when it comes down to, um, you know, I guess the, the, the players progressing that really – uh, that you liked, I guess, this week. Can you tell us about what you saw in your practice this week that you liked? Well, we, one thing we like, the guys, uh, they know we still got a chance to go to bowl. They know we have two very big games going ahead. So nobody came in with, woe with me. We, we had this tough schedule. Not, nobody came in with their heads down. They came eager, ready to get better, ready to take coaching. And they know we still got a lot to play for, which is great, especially with the young team that we have. So that was great to see. Guys are still developing. Good. Our young receiving core is really getting better. Our, our young DB, as far as Cam Sutton, he's really coming to his own. Uh, and like I spoke about Dobbs, he's really coming to his own. We're able to get some of our, our young offensive linemen who have not been getting a lot of rest because our offensive line is pretty much all seniors, and they've played a lot of snaps and a lot of games, and uh, they get all the reps in practice. But we're, we're able to get our old linemen, the young guys, a lot of reps this week and get them going, and hopefully – uh, we win it, we get able to win the next two games, get an extra 15 practices going, and that will really help set our program where we need to go in the right direction. Well, Coach, I was at, I was at the Auburn-Tennessee game, and, and, you know, one thing that stood out to me in that game was after the third quarter, and, you know, I look at stuff like this. I don't know how many people do, but, you know, you guys were down. Uh, momentum shifted, and at the end of the third quarter, you guys got together as a team, held up your four fingers, and you sprinted down the sideline. I mean, tell us – I mean, I've noticed that. Tell us why you do that. And I've I, I noticed several people in the stands pointed that out and, and looked at Tennessee and said, this is a team that's headed in the right direction that has, has bought into Coach Jones and the staff. Well, that's just our mindset. We're, we're, uh, we pride ourselves on being different. We pride ourselves on effort and hard work. And that's one thing that we do. We spread between each quarter. We're anxious to get back on the field. We want guys who are anxious to play. We want guys who hate timeouts, who hate huddling, who hate uh, any break in the game. We want guys just eager to play, and that's how our guys are. They hate quarter breaks. So as soon as the third quarter's over, we're spreading to the fourth quarter, ready to go. And that's just kind of mindset we're building from Coach Jones, and that's that's one thing that we do. And you're right, our guys, they're, they're ready to go. They, uh, they didn't give up. They played hard, and that's that's what that's what expected of them. That's our standard. Uh, the game didn't go our way, unfortunately. Uh, some of our uh, lack of depth showed up. Our lack of speed showed up. But we're uh, we're getting corrected. We're going to work on it. 
Well, Coach, I looked at your recruiting again, and, and I, I mean, I, I really started paying attention to it this week, and I noticed you guys are still second in recruiting, but you have 16, and I didn't stutter, 16 four-star commits and a five-star. I mean, tell us how big, uh, I mean, how are you selling these guys? I mean, Tennessee's a great program, but how good are you guys going to be in the future if you keep, you know, landing, you know, recruiting classes like this? Well, crazy thing about it, like you said, we have 16 four-stars in this recruiting class. Currently on our roster right now, we have nine total. So out of the 117 guys on our, <laughs> our roster, top to bottom, we have nine total. So that goes to show how big recruiting is in college football. So we had 16 coming in, which is huge. And uh, you're not going to fit your whole team in one recruiting class by any means. So uh, hopefully the, the, uh, with the class we got coming in, they keep laying the foundation. We keep recruiting with the, uh, the 2015, 2016, next thing you know, you have a, a nice program. And now your freshmen don't got to come in and play right away. They can learn a little bit. And then that's how you build. And then all of a sudden your scout team is actually really, really good players and they're getting great work every day. It's a whole bunch of competition at every position. And that's how you get to build a really great program where you got 60, 70 guys that can play at any time, and everybody's just competing. And that's how you get a good program. And with a couple of recruiting classes like that, Tennessee will be back at the forefront of college football. Well, I noticed about your crowd that day. I mean, four and five team in November. It's November now. That crowd was just electric, Coach. And, and you know, even even when momentum swung, your crowd tried to get it back, and, and they fought and fought. But, I mean, how loud is that crowd going to be in the years to come with with how much talent you have? And, and once Coach Jones gets in there and gets settled and, and he's laying the foundation now. But I was very impressed with the crowd noise on that Saturday. With the, the Vol Nation, Tennessee fan base is the best fan base in the country. Uh, right now, even us, us being just four or five, the season not going the way we wanted to do, wanted to be, but we still had the fifth ranked highest attendance in the country. So that that, that goes a lot saying how uh, how important our nation is and how supportive they are. And uh, once we once we get it back to where we, where it used to be, it's rocking. I mean, it's already rocking. Georgia week it was rocking. South South Carolina week it was rocking. Uh, you witnessed Auburn and uh, how loud it was Auburn. It was much, much louder when we played South Carolina and Georgia. Granted, because the game oh, was yeah. poster. But yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, from what I hear, it's going to be rocking on Saturday night. Uh, first uh, first actual night game we got going. It's uh, 7 o'clock against Vanderbilt, so it's supposed to be a crazy great atmosphere Saturday night. Looking forward to it. I would love to drive up and, and be able to attend that game. But Coach, you played – you played Alabama this year in Tuscaloosa, and you played Auburn at home, and the Iron Bowl's coming up. And you, since since you played both of them, do you th- do you think Auburn has a chance to to win the Iron Bowl this year? That quarterback Auburn has, he's he's, he's a special kid. He's uh he's very hard to tackle in space, and their run game is really legit. They, they have a very very solid run game. They run four or five plays. They they run a very different formations are out of different formations, and they do a really good job with it. They they have a chance. They 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 have that big playability to uh to make make a have a big sixty seventy yard run here or there. And they got the speed to do it. So on a, on any Saturday, anything can happen, and they definitely have the talent to uh to go in and put up a good game against Alabama. Well, coach, uh, another two teams you've or 
team you played was Georgia. What do you think on your bye week? Uh, I don't know if you got to watch the finish of the Auburn Georgia game, but it was a uh, it was a crazy finish and one of those games why you never turn the TV set off. We we we, we uh, I watched the last actually the whole second half of it, and um, when the play the last play happened, the tip ball or whatnot. All the coaches were texting and calling each other, saying, "Did you see that? Just knock the ball down, a little, little stuff like that." But hey, that's why we love the game of football. Anything can happen. And uh, the football gods was on the Auburn side this past weekend. That's how it goes sometimes. That's just the game of football. That's why we. That's why we love it so much. Well, coach, as a as a coach, you are like heading into bye week. Is the bye week good for Auburn after an emotional miracle, God on your side victory? How important is it to take that momentum into a bye week sometimes? Well, it, it depends on the maturity of your team. Yeah, if you have a mature team, you're able to uh, withstand the, the momentum that you have and keep it going all the way through the bye week and actually use it to propel your practices during the bye week. Because sometimes it's hard to practice if you don't have a game that weekend. It's hard to get the guys motivated. And then after a huge uh, victory they had, they can have a little lull at practice because they don't have that game. So it depends on the maturity of the team. I can't speak on that maturity, but they're a mature team. They should be all right, and it allows them to get rested. That's the most important thing about bye weeks. People don't realize how banged up these guys are playing every Saturday. Like every every Saturday we go in, I'm sure every team is like this. You have eight to twelve guys that's on the bubble, whether they're gonna play or not, and somehow they find a way to play. And that bye week allows them to get from seventy percent to maybe ninety percent, and that's huge. And that, that's huge. These nagging injuries, they go on through the whole season. It gives you a week to at least rest up a little bit. And that's the biggest thing for a bye week. And also, and Coach, that's why. Which is huge. Well, Coach, I talk about the SEC and, and you, know, you know, watching it every week and you watch other conferences, I think that's why it's so tough to go undefeated in this conference. And what Alabama is doing is just, I mean, they, they didn't go undefeated last year. They lost A&M. This year they could lose. They have a tough schedule. But, I mean, just how hard is it, like you said, to win week in and week out with the injuries? And I don't think people realize that. When you say that, they kind of roll their eyes. But, I mean, like you said, Auburn's had so many injuries this year. Bama's had a lot. I mean, how hard is it to stay healthy over a 12-week schedule, really? I mean, I mean, case in point, you, you can look at Georgia. Georgia's a phenomenal team who had three or four injuries in the middle of the season. And they end up losing two or three games that they probably could have won if they had all their, their horses. But that's one thing recruiting is huge. When you have, like, like Alabama's have, they put together three or four top three recruiting classes in, a, in, a, in four years in a row, you're able to just roll the next guy in. So that's the biggest thing about recruiting when you have all these guys that you're able to just boom, 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 boom. You got depth at every position. Injuries don't kind of kill you. And that's why Alabama's been able to – pretty much stay stay on top right now is because even if they do have an injury or whatever, the next guy rolls in, he's a four-star. The other four-star get hurt, they roll in a three-and-a-half star. I mean, just a little stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, you're, you're right. You're right. And the injury part to me is, is scary this time of year. If you can make it through November and to your bye week and have 90% of your team ready, you have a chance. But you're right about Georgia. This is a team that – that was good enough to to win the SEC, good enough to contend for a championship. And we saw the injury bug hit them, and it hit them hard. If you look at Florida, it's hit them too. So, I mean, it's just you never know about preseason predictions. And like we said on this show, 
I don't like giving preseason predictions because you never know who's going to be playing at certain times, especially the quarterback position coach. Exactly, Mundo. It's not always the best team that wins in November. Sometimes it's the healthiest team that wins in November. And that's why we, we harp on our guys on taking care of their bodies, eating right, getting enough sleep, living right, doing the right things off the field. And you get that going and get, get a little lucky, and maybe you can have a pretty healthy team come November. Because that that's the biggest thing. That that's health is huge. It's a very huge factor and most people don't realize that. You, you like you said, your quarterback get hurt, who's the hardest over your team, you can go from an eight win, nine win team to a five six team six win team just because of the quarterback. It's it's amazing how that works. Well, Coach, I, I want to hear from you Sunday after that win against Vanderbilt and uh Sonya's on the line right now. She wants to say hello. So Sonya, you're on air. Hello, how are you doing, Coach? I'm doing well, doing well. How are we doing over there? Oh, doing great. I, I know great. you walk, walking on cloud nine. Little girls dressed in orange. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have to remedy that. I'm going to some Christmas presents up there. We're going to have to do something about all that orange. I just wanted orange to tell you, seriously, congratulations. Color. You guys have definitely, you're, you're on the road back. It's great to see Tennessee improving. It's great to see any any team stepping up, and especially one that's had such a great history, get back up on track. So I just wanted to say hello and give you a little give you a little shout out, a little pat on the back. I see the tweets and everything on your posts from um, all the other players, <laughs> and it's it's good to hear some of the um, the former pro players talk about what's happening there. So keep it up, just not against us. I appreciate that, and I know you're walking on cloud now, right now, because y- y'all are rolling. But, uh... <laughs> I am, but you know, hey, I'm I'm like you guys. We we know one game at a time, and uh, I think Minnesota both and and uh, Minnesota and the balls both have the brick by brick thing going on. So hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna get too far ahead. <laughs> Good deal. Well, it was nice talking to you. All right, love you. That's I just want. Uh, thanks, Sonia. And, Coach, man, we appreciate all you do. And, and you can listen to my preseason projections next year. I look at your schedule. It's still tough. It's nothing like it was this year. But I'm I'm excited to see what's going on. I'm, I'm excited to see where you take this program and what you guys do. So uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll hopefully talk to you Sunday night. All right, good day. You have a good night. All right, you too, Coach. Thanks. And Trey, I'm excited already for the preseason projections next year. What about you? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not anywhere near preseason <laughs> projections next year. I'm joking, but thanks, Coach Lett. Thanks, Sonia, for calling in. But it's been a great show. We've covered a lot of stuff, and, and we went over a little bit, but that's okay. But Trey, Sunday night is going to be a huge show. We're going to have some upsets to talk about. I have a feeling Sunday. So everybody out there, thanks for joining in and calling us tonight. Um, I'm going to get the sick dog tonight. He's not feeling too well this week, so I'm going to run and take care of that. Trey, anything in closing? No, buddy. Have a good night, man. All right, you too. Thanks, everybody. Um.